This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we have some fun stuff coming out this week. Unfortunately, the Rangers refuse to score a goal for us, but at least there's two games against the Bruins coming up, question mark? All right, we got our good friend James Duffy on the show today. He's our Islanders correspondent, and uh, that's really it. I guess here's Mark, Mark Messier. We talk a lot about Ryan Strobe and some fun stuff, uh, what the Rangers will be doing going forward to Bucinavich, et cetera. Here we go. Tran- transition to the opening to Mark Messier? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. Mark Messier, here he is. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Break Welcome to the Week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm the Blue Shirts Breakaway, as I said already. And I'm also of The Athletic. And I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg Kaplan, say hello. Okay. No, I'm yep. good. Thank you, though. I almost fell asleep during that game. Straight up. No cap. Just... Uh, it, it's tough. It, it's... Because it, it's not like... It's not that the game was boring. Of course, my water it's that the game up. was low energy. It was extremely low energy. We talk about this later. We have our, our good friend, uh, James Duffy on. He's been on the show before. He's our Islander correspondent extraordinaire. But the game just lacked teeth. I don't know what it was. There was there was plenty of opportunities for the Rangers to score. There was plenty of back and forth. There were some exciting moments. Keandre Miller looks awesome. Hey, Adam Fox, still great, even though he had like one play where he got beat by Eberle. Otherwise, he looks awesome as, as per usual. The whole defense looks great in general. Steve Valaket said, hey, if you don't not- notice... Libra Hayek out there. He's doing a great job. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I, I don't know about you. I mm-hmm. couldn't stop laughing every time they were talking about Hayek because they're like, the best thing that this kid can do on the ice dude, is not be seen. Slandering if he him. He just doesn't exist. Then he's having a great night. And everyone was like, it's, I understand what they're saying. Like you don't want Libra Hayek exposed and taken advantage of. And then of course he gets exposed and taken advantage of when it gets to the first goal of the game. But it's just like the way they're saying it. It's the most backhanded, insulting compliment I've ever heard in my entire life. They're basically saying if Lieber Hayek is not seen, then it's been a great night for the New York Rangers. Because if he's seen, 
we're fucked. I thought it was it's just wonderful to hear. I thought it was pretty wonderful. I, I wish that we could see like the PR notes that they sent out. What to say about Libor? They were like, okay, uh, go out there and be mean, but also frame it as being really nice. And that was the entire night for him. Listen, I want the kid to succeed. Obviously, it's pretty clear the Rangers don't think he's a long-term solution. David Quinn even said himself, like, Lieber's only here because of injury. That's it. I know Larry wrote an article about Tarmo possibly coming up today. Played his first game at, at the uh, at the AHL level over the week as the Wolfpack continued to play two teams for the rest of the season. So there will be a situation where Lieber will continue to get to prove himself. I'd be shocked. No, I wouldn't. There, there's a really good chance Jack Johnson and Smith get back into this lineup over Libor in the next couple days. I wonder how long the potato the potato experiment lasts at this point. So nice having him score a goal. Didn't think he was terrible tonight on goal on ice for the second goal. Whatever, he was fine. I just well, I think he, Jack Johnson's probably coming his, back. It's either seven or nine. I know it's in the single digits. I thought but... it was four. Yeah, I think it's four. Oh, it could, it could even be four. Potato just needs to get a couple games it's so he two can more. be bench eligible here. Yeah, I believe so, it's two more. Yeah, I, Potato, it's a great story. It's all that, blah, blah, blah. But it's, he's like, nights like tonight were reminded that he's Anthony Potato. That he's a very replaceable bottom pairing defenseman that doesn't need to be in your six, probably doesn't even need to be your seventh defenseman. But if he is, cool. Um, yeah, the, the only thing about Lieber that I found interesting is is – it was the fact that they were going out of their way, it seems like, to say things about Lieber Hayek. And MSG does this occasionally where they focus in on a player on a given night. Like we've seen it with Howden. We've seen it with D'Angelo back in the day. We've seen it, you name the player, even Kako last year, obviously. But like tonight was just deemed Lieber Hayek night by the powers that be at MSG. So it, if Lieber Hayek just wasn't the focus of two straight intermission reports, from our friend Steve Valiquet and John Giannone. And if Joe Micheletti wasn't just pointing out every time that like Lieber Hayek was also on the ice while X, Y, and Z happened, I don't think it would have been as noticeable when Lieber Hayek finally made a mistake. But it it's one of those nights where it just felt like the broadcast was going out of its way to talk about Lieber Hayek. So we knew it was coming to a head. And then it came to a head in the most predictable fashion possible. I'm so comfortable now with the top four. It's a strange feeling. And if you well, could, if you go on, not just the top four though, Ryan, a lot of people have been shitting on Jacques Martin, uh, Marty jocks because of the Jack Johnson fiasco and how somehow we're giving all the blame to Jacques because uh, he's his guy apparently, but we got to give credit where credit is due at this point in time. The New York Rangers are night and day, a better defensive team. Yes. Some of it is because Adam Fox is superhuman and some of it is because Keandre Miller is just continuing this string of amazing rookie defensemen. I for the don't New understand Rangers. how he looks absolutely so good as as a defenseman. It's incredible. So early, it makes almost no sense. He's making advanced plays that usually defensemen don't make three or four years into the league. Like this guy is—he shut down Barzell. Is it Barzell or Barzal? I cannot tell. I do. It, it's not an offer sheet, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, Bar- I'll go with Barzal because that's what we do in this podcast. He shut down Barzal multiple times this entire night. This is a guy that Barzal's no joke, and I know he's been struggling on and off for the Islanders, but Miller made him look like a fool. And he's just so big, so long and athletic. 
and his stick handling is this is all phrasing by the way i understand what i'm doing but his his stick handling is also tremendous it really is it to be this developed at this age and this many games into the new york rangers season it makes me question are you know i'm not here to flame cory Promen, who is our dear coworker but he did an article that was the i think it was the top 153 players under 23 in the league and Dalian was number one, and Miller wasn't in the top 153. And Brett Howden was, though. He was like 90-something. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, by the way, Brett Howden's looked decent this year. Not that he's looked – I'm not saying he's looked great. But <laughs> oh, man. Fitz he, was roasted him tonight. <laughs> I know, yeah, poor guy. Well, it's just because we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the Rangers' center depth issues because um, we have a lot of Ryan Strom to talk about, I'm sure. Yeah. But I, I do want to talk about just how much better the Rangers have looked defensively. It, it just – Think about this game. The Rangers lost two two nothing, mm-hmm. and it was a game where the Rangers weren't creating a whole lot of high scoring opportunities, but they just didn't give up any. That was an amazing play by Matt Martin to set up the second goal of the game. Outside of that, the Rangers defense wasn't allowing the New York Islanders to have high danger situations as often as we've seen previous Ranger teams do. This team is just playing a much better a much more sound defensive style that has been foreign to what the Rangers have been in the past. Yes, a lot of credit has to go to the fact that Keandre Miller's playing so well that it is all uh, rising tides raise all boats. Mm-hmm. Jacob Truba's playing a lot better this year, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that he is just so comfortable playing with someone like Keandre Miller that he's allowed to just do whatever his game allows him to do. And Fox and Lindgren... I don't know if Ryan Lindgren like plays the lottery or if he should start playing the lottery because if Ryan Lindgren debuts with anybody else on his right-hand side, I don't know if we have these rosy opinions of Ryan Lindgren like we do, but for whatever reason, that partnership with Adam Fox is near perfection and there's no reason to ever ever break it up at this point in time. Like yes, I would love 5 years from now for Miller Fox to be just eating 40 minutes a night as the Rangers' only defensive unit. But I don't I, I don't understand why Ryan Lindgren is just like the perfect foil to Adam Fox. But here we are. And that having a good top four, Ryan, it's remarkable. It, it makes the entire team better because two thirds of your hockey game is being played with reliable defensemen behind you. It allows the forwards to be more creative, to take chances and to be a little bit more aggressive. It didn't work tonight. It it the Rangers ran into their nemesis. Now that Jimmy Howard is out of the league. Yep. But it Jacques Martin has came in. He's made this team more sound defensively. And the top four is playing out of their mind. Yes, the Rangers are four, five, and two. And yeah, they're on the outside looking into the playoffs right now. But this shit carries over. Like, this is going to matter next season and the year beyond that. This is a fantastic development for the Rangers. And one that you and I did not see coming. And I don't think anybody did. I don't care how much... Keandre Miller has been a, a big, big – he's had a lot of supporters in the fan base for a very long time, mm-hmm. and we've all been very excited to see him. You are lying if you thought he was going to be this good this quickly. No. It's, I, it's near impossible to predict. My man, but he's, he's I was special. driving that train hard for a long, long time. I even I think I said three years ago, this guy is future captain material, and I thought that because of his character and because of how he, how he handled himself. I didn't think he'd be this. Are you kidding me? He's incredible. It's a whole different kind of player. It's too bad that he's probably not going to get the point total to garner Calder 
Oh, I don't. Uh, I don't even care at this votes. point. They snuffed Adam Fox. Like, <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's my point. He's not going to get as many points as Adam Fox had last year. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to get the point total to be taken seriously in the Calder. And I understand that we are evaluating this with some serious Rangers colored glasses on. But I, to my not like it, unless it's Kaprizov, I haven't heard of a rookie playing as well as Keandre Miller this year. No, it's true. And just technically, by the way, Igor and Lafreniere are on this team. And they're both rookies, quote-unquote. They're both eligible for the Calder. And Miller's been the best of the three. It's, I don't think it's particularly close. Former recurring guest of the show, uh, Brennan Cohen, from a long time ago, actually, uh, tweeted tonight, At even straight, the Rangers with Lindgren, Fox, Miller, and Truba on the ice have 31 goals for and 19 goals against, while the Rangers with Hayek, Potato, Johnson, D'Angelo, Smith on the ice have 12 goals for and 24 against. Listen, if you have a good defenseman on the ice, you're going to do better. I, I mean, that that's really it. That's what it comes down to. Uh, I'm very comfortable with Ryan Lindgren. It's so funny that you brought him up that way because, Greg, I think we're pretty good at t- evaluating talent here. We've we've discovered Brett Howden's face on this show, and we've discovered other talents of players like uh, Ryan Lindgren, Lindgren's bleeding ability. But what else does Ryan Lindgren actually do well? I can't. I don't know if I could tell you. He could do he, anything well. I, I think our, to 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 try and channel Uncle Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Carpinello a little bit on this podcast. I would say that uh, Ryan Lindgren plays a heavy game. Ooh, nice. In, in terms of, like, if you're going up against Ryan Lindgren, you're going to be a little bit uncomfortable with um, his presence on the ice. But it, it, it's almost – it's not that we need to pick out the things that he does well. I think it's more about the fact that there just isn't anything Ryan Lindgren does poorly – and sometimes when you're the jack of all trades and the master of none, it's not an insult. Like he's playing with Adam Fox, who is playing on a mastery level defensively and offensively that shouldn't exist in the NHL. And the NHL writers who said Drew Doughty needs to be on Team USA instead of Adam Fox. Get out of my face. Stop drinking. <laughs> like go to rehab. Do something. You're 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 sick in the mind. I don't understand what you're Get seeing. Get out of my face. But uh, yeah, it's it's like Ryan Lindgren's the perfect foil because while there's one master class. It's like Ryan Lindgren does a little bit more work where you don't feel bad about putting his name on the cover sheet. But as soon as you turn the paper, two days go by and you start to think to yourself, like, was there something that Ryan Lindgren actually contributed to this group project? And you can't really <laughs> say for sure what it is. Perfect. But you can't also say that he didn't help. Right. So it's, I, I, I don't get it how it works, but at the same time, I'm smart enough to know that I shouldn't be asking questions because it's working. That was that was perfect. All right, well, let's move on. Let's go to the offensive side of things. I thought it was pretty interesting. Let's talk about Reinstrom. Okay. <laughs> After you, please take the floor. I just I don't understand how he exists. It's so funny I, I because think... he's he's put up points the past couple games. He had like a point. What was it? Four game point streak. Ryan Stroh? Something like that. But it also, like, when he's putting a point, like, when he scores two goals, it's, it's, we can only talk about the two he didn't score. Um, I, I, you know who he's like? A, I don't know. A, a you, Met? Yeah. But you know which <laughs> Met he's like? Okay. Hit me. Fucking Jason Bay. No, come on. Relax now. I, people who don't know this, Jason Bay is one of the worst contracts in history of the MLB and did nothing, did absolutely nothing when he was there. He's nothing like Jason Bay. I'm but sorry. He's, He's he's the version of Jason Bay that occasionally would do something 
and you would think about it and you'd be like, oh yeah, Jason Bay was good. And he, he, he shows flashes with Ryan Strom. Actually, the perfect, the perfect, uh, no, the perfect Jason Bay's terrible. Is the perfect, the perfect comparison for Ryan Strom, uh, our, our good friend of the show, uh, Fitzy, he and I were exchanging DMs during the Warriors game against the Mavs over the weekend. Mm-hmm. R- Ryan Strom is 120% Kelly Oubre. Like, they are the same fucking player. Because I don't understand. Kelly Oubre will drop 40 points one night and look like a world beater. And then the next night, he's going 0 of 9 from 3. And he looks like he doesn't belong on the court. It doesn't make any sense. I can't stand watching Kelly Oubre, the basketball player. And that's exactly how I feel about Ryan Strom, the hockey player. It's it's just not enjoyable to watch him. And then a night like tonight, Ryan, Kako and Panarin were fucking buzzing early in the game. They really were. I, they really, I get really annoyed were. when people say stuff like that sometimes. But if the Rangers were going to score, it felt like it was going to come from one of Kako or Panarin because they were just making plays left and right to set up their teammates. The problem is their teammate tonight was Ryan Strom, who can't finish. He gets three quarters of the – to keep going back to the school analogy – he gets three paragraphs into the paper and then just gets distracted by a shiny light. And then for some reason, the internet cuts out and he just doesn't ask any questions and just goes to bed. So when the teacher asks the next day, where's your assignment? He's like, well, I tried, but I don't have it. So this team sorry. misses Philip Heedle in ways unimaginable. It, well, because it's, it, it's just exposing how poor this center depth is, right? It's miserable. Like, it doesn't help that Mika Zibanejad is in the Whoa. longest – He's, Cold in, drought of he's invisible, my man. He really is. And anytime he's of, shooting, he's shooting three percent on the season. I know it's it's truly bad, and he's killing the power play too. It really is. I don't want to say that about Mika Zibanejad, who had a tremendous last year, and I going into the off season of uh, of pandemic world, pretty much every Ranger fan would tell you we have to sign Mika Zibanejad. Well, now you're now you're starting to look. <laughs> just take a second, sit back. No, I I. I throw all that criticisms out. Okay. I, again, no regular training camp for anybody. I, no preseason okay. for anybody. I, it's and worth, because Mika got COVID-19. I agree with you. It's worth a second look just at this point. Mika has been ineffective in every single way. There were at least a handful of plays tonight where I saw Mika and he was taking the ice. Uh, taking the ice. He was taking the puck down low. And he just used to be able to make a move or get a guy off him or skate past him. And he just doesn't have it this year. I don't know what it is. He's snake bitten. He can't shoot well. <laughs> I, I feel bad. I love Mika. I really do. He's he's a tremendous guy and player. I want nothing but the best for him. But this has been a, a terrible season for him so far. And everything you said is valid. Truly. I hope he turns it around in the second half. And I hope he becomes a world beater yet again. I, I really do love the player. I like the stock. Exactly that. M- Mika Zibinijad. Maybe, maybe Mika Zibinijad is the deep value we need right now. Because certainly no other centers on this team are performing. No, but it. we talk about it with Chris Kreider a lot, and maybe we should talk about it with Mika Zibanejad too. He's a streaky player. like, I, I, But I don't think it's necessarily like with Kreider. Well, Kreider's the he's, definition. He's, Kreider's streaky, but with Zibanejad, I almost think it's a crisis of confidence where when when the eating is good, the eating is uncontrollable because Mika Zibanejad feels like he can score whenever he wants. And when he feels that way, he does it. But when the goals dry up like they're drying up like this, I do – not to make excuses for Mika Zibanejad. Again, I could do it all night long if you wanted me to. But it, it does feel like Mika Zibanejad more than just about any other Ranger. He's pressing. He feels like he needs it. 
it's not coming easy for him anymore. And it's frustrating him to a point where he's making mistakes. We don't see Mika's Benajed make or hasn't made as a New York Ranger. Um, do I think, do I think Mika's Benajed is the type of player he like he was last year at all times? No, but he's also not going to shoot 3% for an entire season that this is the lowest percent. I believe it was Rob Luker who posted this it was, on Twitter. I saw it. This this year's shooting percentage is the lowest shooting percentage Mika has had since his age 19 season. Like his career average is somewhere around 10.5%, which you'll take any day of the week. It, it looks bad because, again, it looks bad because the Rangers just have no depth. If Mika's not doing it at center, Brett Howden's not going to do it. Ryan Strom isn't doing it. And we're not getting my boy Kevin Rooney enough ice time. If Kevin Rooney was in the top six, we probably talk about a 3-2 Ranger win tonight, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, when you don't have the depth to make up for a star like Mika Zibanejad not pulling his weight, you're going to see it. And it, it, it's, why, it's partially why Pavel Buchnevich has been so noticeable this year because he's been trying to carry so many people on his back. But a, a perfect example is a game like tonight. It's not that Buchnevich was bad, but it seemed like the two best Ranger forwards tonight were Kapokako and Artemi Panarin. And the Rangers didn't have a center to play between them. And when you don't have that piece, you get shut out by Semyon Varlamov, who, credit where credit is due, owns the Rangers to a point where he might name one of his kids Ranger. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's yeah, just it it, it's it's when when Zibanejad is cold and you don't have a second center, it's gonna be noticeable on nights like tonight. And Ryan Strom, the Rangers. I know we've retired showcasing from this podcast this year, and I know the Rangers still would love to move Ryan Strom if they could, but this is kind of like, I, I don't know how you're selling this to other teams. I really don't. I, I don't know how you, you pitch this as something that you should be giving up value for. I understand that Ryan Strom as a third line center on a super competitive team would be somewhat advantageous, but I also think you could just find something more dynamic I, we talked about Ryan Lindgren not really having a quality that we would say is great. The problem is Jerome doesn't have that either, but I have some that are bad for him. For example, he's irresponsible defensively, and his finishing is so laughable at this point in time oh, well, where yeah, come he's on. missing empty nets point blank. So it's it's he, tough. I He's I struggling think, right now shooting the puck, Greg. It's, yeah, I don't think this season has been kind. The points are there for Ryan Strom, and I still don't think the season is kind. Also, I just want to point out, has there ever been a player who more quietly got to 15 points in 10 games than Artemi Panarin? When they put threw up that Cadillac trivia question, and they're like, Artemi Panarin is the first Ranger, blah, 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 15 points in his first 10 games. I was like, this motherfucker's got 15 points? No, he's effortless, dude. I don't know what yeah. else to say about Panarin. He's effortless. He was he was going to be the sole reason the Rangers won the game tonight if he scored on the breakaway. I, I do believe the Rangers would have held off if he ended up scoring there. We'll never know. Different timeline. But the guy is the whole reason the Rangers are competitive. And it, I don't think that's even – that's not even a hyperbole. Hyperbole? Well, what the hell am I saying? Hyperbole? That was weird. Um, exaggeration? It's not even an exaggeration. I mean, it, it, it's not even Jesus. hyperbole if that's what you were trying to say. I was. And my brain just stopped working, as is classic on this <laughs> podcast. He's – He's le- he's legitimately Mike Trout, where his excellence is so effortless that you're kind of bored by it at this point. Which is so funny because Connor McDavid is is unquestionably a better player than Artemi Panarin. We can't even. Yeah, but he's stuck in Edmonton. But he's stuck in Edmonton. And he can't carry that team. That is so funny. I man. 
I, I look, listen, there are some great people with storied careers that work for us at the athletic, not for us directly. We actually work for them, but I am just super tired of seeing the, this Canadian division is the greatest division since sliced bread takes. And they're they're It's not just the Pierre Lebruns that are guilty of it. It's just about everybody who covers hockey in the entire world. I got news for you guys. The Vancouver Canucks might be the worst hockey team I've ever seen in my entire life. And the team very close to that is the Ottawa Senators. And when you only have seven teams and two of them are the Canucks and the Senators, I don't give a shit who the other five teams are. That hockey is garbage. I, I've watched a couple Canucks games because I've just learned to bet the over in all their games because they're giving up five goals. So all I need is for them to score one or two, and they are covering every night. So it's become a fun watch for Who's me. The goalie for the but I'm not right watching now? it because it's entertaining. I'm watching it because it's paying me. Like I, I am being paid to watch the Canucks, and that is the only reason why I would watch the Canucks. And you can bet right I, now at betmgm.com, the official partner of the Athletic. Bang. Also, all I'm saying is, I want to be on record as the first person to say, I think we're about seven weeks away from Elias Pettersson asking for a trade. Really. I think it, it, dude, these games are impossible to watch. And I understand that he's got Quinn Hughes, so it's not exactly like he's alone up there. But all I'm saying is that fan base seems a little uh, off off tilt. I'm looking I at think, I'm looking at the I teams think... right now. Like, dude, outside of the Leafs, and the Leafs team is fun as hell. Like, no doubt about it. Super, super fun. Super, super fun. fun. The Oilers, super fun as well. But again, they're, they're super fun because they're just mass chaos every seven night. Seven and seven. And two of the best players in the league. And the Canadians are good, too. They're, se- they're seven and seven because they're also giving up four to five goals a night. Oh. Again, if you guys want to make easy money, bet the overs in Oilers games and Canucks games. Not financial just advice. Bet them every night. Doesn't matter who they're Gambler playing. responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> bet within your means yes but bet every night i'm here to help pound them pound those overs i'm here to help uh let's do some five-star questions to get out of here i guess right well or we should also probably talk to duffy after we do oh the yeah i questions. guess we'll do that yeah uh i did want to mention before we get to that we talked about strom just very briefly earlier i don't know if you, you remember the rant you went on maybe two minutes what? ago i know no me? That's two. That's two L's for Mr. Gordon this off season <laughs> in bridge deals. I'm just saying, the Tony trades have gone away. As you uh, we, before we started recording here, we talked about off air. Well, what happened to all the Tony trades that were supposed to happen last week when, when they were trying to mm. appease? They Pat, all dried up. Pat Brisson, kind of weird. Hmm. Well, you know what's funny? Uh, think about all of the quote unquote bridge two year deals that Jeff Gordon has given out in the last couple of years. Spooner. The only one that you could even squint and say is a winner is Ryan Spooner because it became Ryan Strom. But then he even fucked that up by giving this two-year deal to Ryan Strom. Well, I guess um, the, the real W, uh, which become a very quick L, is Pavel Buchnevich. <laughs> because now you have to sign like a That wasn't a bridge. Like, that was a restricted free agency bridge, and he's still a restricted free agent. Right. So, like, again, the whole point, the whole reason why, when you go back into our archives, you and I are so against bridge deals is because – of this exact situation where you essentially allowed Pavel Buchnevich to bet on himself. And now he's going to cost you a pretty penny instead of just saying, we're going to take the bet on Pavel Buchnevich. Maybe we'll overpay him for a couple of years here, but we think he's going to eventually outperform this contract. Like always bet on a player outperforming a contract when they are younger and under team control. The problem is he did this with a guy in Tony D'Angelo who you can't rely on being on the ice just from a, not even a performance standpoint, just like a mentality standpoint. And then he 
paid Ryan Strom when he didn't have to pay Ryan Strom. You could have just gone the one-year deal with Ryan Strom. If you couldn't trade – the, the part that frustrates me, it's the fact that he couldn't find – he wanted to trade him. He couldn't find a trade for him. And then he said, well, if I'm not going to be able to find a trade for him, I'm going to give him two years so I can try this three more times. Like that's, that's the part to me that doesn't make any sense. It's a gambler's fallacy, or rather, uh, I forget the exact term, but sunk cost. Yeah, sunk cost analysis. But I, no, but I, but it, is it though? Like, well, he's, he's trying to it, get anything out of him, even if it's a third at this point. It's just cash okay, that but, he has, right? It's but just it's the fact be there he no tried what. to trade him. He tried to trade him this offseason. We know that for a fact. Yes, we don't. Couldn't do it. We don't know if he couldn't do it. We just know he didn't get a deal he liked. Sure, uh, but if you have to be smart enough to then read the market and understand that. All right, if these are the offers I'm getting for this player before this season starts, when his value perceptively is going to be at its highest, why it give him a two-year deal when you could have just gone the one-year route, try to flip him one more time? If, if you think he's as good as he is in the eyes of other teams, you get that one more chance to flip him. And then if you can't flip him then, worry about his unrestricted free agency after the season. But – it's the fact that he went two years, two years for a player that Gordon himself understands is not the answer in his top six when he thinks the answer is already on his roster in Filipino. So it's the fact that that extra year just there's no way to break it down to me that makes it makes it logical. I don't see it. I could be just a dumb dumb with biased glasses on who thinks Ryan Strom is a big heap of Kelly Oubre and is pee-pee-poo-poo. But I'm telling you right now, maybe we, we weren't hard enough in the offseason when they went two years on it, but I don't remember a time where I felt like I understood that second year. I don't even understand it from Ryan Strom's standpoint because what, Ryan Strom was going to be a unrestricted free agent coming off a year in which he had almost 60 points and was going to once again play with Artemi Panarin. So you would think that Ryan Strom would have been able to put up points for a second straight year, and that's all you need to do in the NHL in order to get paid? So I, I don't know who thought this second year was a good idea. I don't see it ending well for the New York Rangers. Last question on Strom from me to you. Okay. Team, team calls you up right now, offers you a mm-hmm. second-round pick. You say? Yeah. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's fair. Third? But what team's going to do that? I don't know. I'm curious. I really am. I don't know if that's actually even a possibility. I, I just think Leas Anderson got traded for a second. Leas Anderson. That's yeah, Leas Anderson's not making money. That's that fair. was a free roll of the dice for the Los Angeles game. That's totally fair. Good point. All right, let's get to five-star questions, and we'll get to our guest, James Duffy. If you want to leave a five-star question, you go to the iTunes. You leave a five-star review. We read them on the show. Got three this week, real quick. Chillfield9 says, five-star question. Hey, guys, love the show and what you guys are doing. Huge fan from Georgia, Greg's former stopping grounds. Uh, this pod helps me get through the work days. What do you guys think Quinn is looking to see from Julian Gauthier? He looks he seems like a highly skilled player, but has been scratched quite a bit so far this season. I think this is one of those, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, a play the game the right way situations where it wasn't that Gauthier didn't show flashes of having high offensive skill. It was the defensive lapses and maybe the other uh, systematic errors that kind of put him to the bench and that Quinn wanted to quote unquote teach him a lesson on how to play. Um, I think so. I also don't get me wrong. I, I love Julian Goche and a lot of the reason why I love Julian Goche is because 
he has shown the offensive profile in the past, and he's just built like a brick shit house, mm-hmm. which is maybe my favorite part about him. Yep. Um, but I maybe our eyes got a little bigger than uh, what our stomachs could hold. There's a there's a pretty realistic chance that Julian Goche is just a bottom six player moving forward which in is his fine. NHL career. Nothing wrong with which that. is fine. But also, if he's a bottom six player moving forward in his NHL career, if he doesn't play a full 82-game season, I don't necessarily know if it's anything to get too worked up about. And, you know, we've also strayed off this path a little bit before as well, where we've talked about this with other players previously. The NHL is the only league in which we obsess about the fact that players need to play every night. There are plenty of young rookies in the NBA and Major League Baseball that aren't everyday players in their first full season in the league, and it's not seen as debilitating for their long-term outlook. Um, So I I, I do think we still need to get out of the habit a little bit of trying to say that if he's not playing, he's not developing, and if he's not playing every night, then it's obviously the end of the world for his career. Um, I I think Gauthier is still transitioning. It it also doesn't help Gauthier that he's on a team with – children who are transitioning a little faster, right? Filipino is developing faster than Gauthier's timeline. Kapokako, Alexi Lafreniere, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox, even Ryan Lindgren. Like, all these kids are developing on what feels like the fast track, but not every player are going to be those guys. So I, I don't, I'm not at a point where I'm worried about Gauthier, but I'm also moving to a point where Gauthier might not be a player we should be worrying about anyway. If he works out as a piece, fantastic. Um, I mean, Look at Phil G- DiGiuseppe. Phil DiGiuseppe didn't become this player overnight. He's 25, 26 years old right now, and he's playing a super important role for the New York Rangers. Like, if, if Goche takes a little time to get there, he takes a little time to get there. And if he doesn't play every night, he doesn't play every night. But I, 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 I would hope or I need to try for myself to be in a better habit of not reacting to when a guy isn't playing on a nightly basis. Agreed. Uh, this is from DC from the Lowen, uh, very, very frequent commenter of the Blue Church Breakaway. Uh, if both Johnson and Smith remain out of the lineup for a foreseeable future, do you think the Rangers will use this time to get an extended look at Hayek or Tarmo? If so, between Hayek and, and Tarmo, who would you predict have a better chance of remaining in the lineup? Well, I, I <laughs> judging by the way that they talked about Lieber Hayek tonight, I would say Tarmo, if he gets called up, would have a way better chance. But right now, it's they're going to ride Hayek until they feel comfortable putting Johnson back in there. Yeah, I also don't think the Rangers see a need to promote Tarmo right now. I think the Rangers are going to be very happy giving Tarmo a ton of ice time in Hartford for the foreseeable future. Might be better Maybe for him. Maybe we get to like, yeah, he had a two point night opening night. And I understand that we all want to react to that two point night as being like, oh, well, he's ready, but it's also one game. Let's see him do it a couple more times. If, if Tarmo plays 20 games in Hartford and the Rangers want to get an extended look at him in New York, let's go for it. But I'm not, I'm not in a hurry to see him up here because quite honestly, I don't know if it's that big of a difference from Hayek right now. And I just want to put Hayek to bed. I give Hayek enough ice time or get, get him in enough games where we can say definitively what we think he will be in the long run. We think we know the answer. I'm pretty confident we know the answer, but this is the perfect season where we can say definitively whether Lieber Hayek needs to be a New York Ranger beyond this season. So if that's 20 games for Hayek, run him out there 20 times. Answer the question. If we don't, if wh- whether you like the answer or not, just answer the fucking question. Agreed. That's what I want the Rangers to do with Hayek. Last question from Shiz. 
That's legitimately how you pronounce it, I believe. How you guys doing? I think we're doing okay. After seeing how Hedl and Bucetovic have played to start the season, do you guys think they have elevated their play up amongst our untouchable assets? Or would it still make sense to include them in a trade for an elite player? I have to tell you, after watching Center this year, this is me now talking, not the question anymore. Uh, mm -hmm. Philip Hedl has to... The only way you could trade Philip Hedl is if you're getting a big, 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 big time center back. Other than Jack that, Eichel. that's it. I think it's the only way. I really do. There's no other way you're trading Philip Hedl. He's a young, controllable asset who's, who's developed greatly at center. If it's not Jack Eichel, you're not trading him. This, it's really just that simple. Uh, Buchnevich, they're going to at least explore. I don't know exactly how they're going to handle it. Tom Ertz, friend of the podcast, came on here a couple weeks ago and said he thinks they should they should re-sign him. I'm not sure that's what will happen because there's only so much money to go around eventually for uh, a million players on the New York Rangers. I wonder if Buchnevich makes that. So I, I don't know if you could actually have – you could trade Buchnevich this season the way the Rangers are going for – I don't think you're going to get the value you want in particular in the in a season that has uh, the, the Devils probably playing like 50 games in 80 nights. It's going to be really strange. I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle the Buchnevich situation. Um, I would say I think we're moving closer and closer to a point in time where it's hard to envision Pavel Buchnevich and Vitaly Kravtsov taking the ice for the Rangers at the same time. Yeah. It just it, At some point, it feels like you have more wingers than you need and you have a desperate need at center. At some point, you need to turn a winger into a center. And I think it's very clear that that center doesn't currently exist on the New York Rangers or in their farm system. I, I know a lot of people love Carl Henriksen and are very excited for what Carl Henriksen could be, but we are still years away from Carl Henriksen being whatever we think he's going to be. And the Rangers are going to be ahead of his timeline in terms of development. So what do I have a preference for who the Rangers would rather use in a trade, Buchnevich or Kravtsov? I, I'm a guy where... As much as I love prospects, take the known quantity, especially when that known quantity is in the prime of his career and is blossoming before our eyes into that next-level player we always thought he could be. But I think the Rangers are reaching a crossroads where one of those two players has to be used in a trade in order to get yourself a legitimate middle six center to go with Heedle. Because, again, this season is a perfect example of it. Mika Zibanejad is not going to be this cold all year long. But when so. Mika Zibanejad is cold, you need someone else to step up. And if Philip Hedl is out of the lineup while Mika Zibanejad is cold, it is very clear the New York Rangers don't have a center that's going to step up. So you need to address that problem. And the best way to address that problem is trading from a position of surplus. The only place the New York Rangers have surplus right now is on the wing. We're uh, With all that being said, we're going to go to a little bit of break here and go get, get back to our friend James Duffy. Uh, fun little little interview with our friend James. And uh, we'll be back later in the week after the Bruins game. We're going to do an OT. So uh, here we go. Transition. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. We have our good friend, James Duffy, and our Islanders correspondent. I gave him that title right now. Pretty impressive. James, what's up, man? Wow, honored to be here with the promotion, too. Does that come with a pay raise, or do you want to talk about my benefits after the show? You think you we get paid that? for this? <laughs> like, yeah, the Athletic was like, you could come. They're like, what do we get? They were like, clout? We were like, we're idiots, of course. Well, that was it. Well, uh, Duffs, <laughs> we'll get you one Dogecoin. I don't know if that has any value. Eight cents right now. Eight cents right now, baby. Let's go. I've heard that I've heard that in like a week it'll be worth approximately one moon, though. So that... I'm, I'm pretty I'm excited about that. Quick question. What's the moon's actual value? 
whatever Dogecoin's going to be in a week. There I mean, we go. That's my fucking It's all a circle guy. here at this point. We don't bring them on for nothing, everybody. That's the reason. All right. Speaking of moons, like the Rangers did tonight, a big fat zero. Uh, let's let's break this down because I think both teams played pretty well, Duffy. And then your fourth line, um, I don't know if you know this, is is better than ours. And I think that was the actual factor that decided the game. Yeah, uh, this must be a weird feeling for you guys um, after just, what, a decade and a half of watching the Rangers pretty consistently beat teams uh, by just getting goalies in their heads then watching Varlamov now do that to you guys twice this season. This this must feel like one of those one of those turntable situations, honestly. It doesn't really feel that but, way because uh, he's kind of been doing it for a long time versus us. There's these particular goalies that just destroy us. Jimmy Howard, newly, uh, newly retired. One of those. Him. Another one. There's there's a couple out there that just ranger killers, and he happens to be an expert at it. I mean, someone should tell David Quinn that Georgiev is an Islander killer. He should have gotten that memo. But regardless, like you said, the game, it wasn't the most exciting hockey game, but it was a well-played hockey game on both fronts. Uh, the Rangers are really clearly making concerted efforts to not be a dumpster fire on defense anymore, and that's certainly paying off. And the Islanders were just playing Islander hockey, and it eventually paid off with some just shoves toward the net. So uh, that was pretty much the games I've been used to watching since Barry Trotz got here. Are you entertained, like to steal the the quote from our good friend, Russell Crowe, front of the podcast, Russell Crowe. Of course. Uh, <laughs> are you entertained? Like, is, is that shit fun for you? I understand you won and I understand yeah. winning is the end game here, but what about like the Islanders didn't seem like the better team tonight. Did they? No, they didn't even really seem, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think they played poorly. I don't think they played well. I think they just kind of played and that's the Islanders. And then sometimes they get two goals in two minutes for no reason. And sometimes they give up two goals in two minutes for no reason. Uh, it's not, I mean, stripping aside all the bullshit, right? Like you said of my team won and that's the end goal. It's not the most exceptionally fun hockey to watch and hasn't been, but you know, I mean, you eat vitamins because they do they're healthy for you not because it's your favorite part of your breakfast right that that's a great point broccoli you gotta get it in there but it's not the best part of the meal some greens in there yeah Yeah. right that's just what barry trotz does he just shoves in foliage there was so much neutral zone skating tonight it was like a marathon of just like hey let's all skate in the neutral zone back and forth for 90 minutes pretty much yeah (laughs) that was it it was a lot of it was a lot of dump and don't chase on both sides it was like you have possession no 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 you have possession please i insist it was especially in the first period where i saw the rangers dump in i think three or four sort of possessions in a row and then they just did changes like well we were out here for about 90 seconds let's switch (laughs) that's it it's like oh we gotta pressure the islanders what are we doing uh both teams had their scoring chances i thought the islanders took advantage of their situation, Lieber Hayek on the first goal, and then Matt Martin with an actual, uh, maybe, is that his best offensive play of his career? I don't tell Oh, him. no, 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 no. I mean, this man, this man snipes. He does it about seven to eight times per season, but every now and again, he just decides, he goes Terminator eyes, he picks a corner, and he rips it. So he is the best sniper in the NHL, but he only really is ever operating at about 1% strength, <laughs> and he, he upped it up to 2% for about 30 seconds tonight. Uh, Duffs, is the... I don't, I don't know if this is a surprise to necessarily the three of us talking. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. it is. Um, it is just apparent that this Islander team needs Anthony Beauvillier in order yeah. to create some five-on-five offense. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it's really kind of a tough situation to be in when you're relying on a guy that is really just 
a run-of-the-mill middle six player, but without him, it, it looks like the offense isn't going anywhere. And he, he toasts the Rangers when they play, so maybe it's especially apparent in a game like this. But um, it, Michael Dalcole is not cutting it as a second-line forward, and then your entire team is weaker for that because then you're playing Leo Komarov in a third-line capacity, which makes that entire line pretty significantly handicapped. And although this is the best game the fourth line has played in a while, they haven't been anything special this season. So for most of the year this far, when Barzell's line's not in the ice and with Beauvillier hurt, there's virtually no offense coming at five on five. So um, it's it's a rude awakening when a, a peak 55-point player goes down and suddenly you are scrambling for any goal you can get at five on five. See, I, see, I haven't watched Pavillier a lot outside of when he plays the Rangers, and I thought he was like the 1B to Barzell's 1A. That's how good he's been against us. He He's uh, definitely like Batman-Robin situation, but definitely Robin. I mean, Beauvillier is I'm, – I'm probably – you won't find a bigger fan in the Islander fan base um, of Beauvillier, but his peak is a low-end first, high-end second line, 55-, 60-point player. Uh, and that's totally fine. And he certainly helps on a team that doesn't score many goals when he can put up 2025 in a season. But um, he's his ceiling is um, it's being rapidly approached, I think. Speaking of Ranger killers, uh, boy, the guy you would need to have step up in a situation when Beauvillier isn't playing has to be J.G. Pajot. And you would think against the Rangers, this guy's a guaranteed <laughs> two goals every time he plays the Rangers. The fact that he's not even scoring against the Rangers, how are you feeling about that contract, Duffs? Uh, listen, I like J.G. Pajot. He's a, he's a fine hockey player, and I'm happy he's a New York Islander. I want to start with that. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, the contract itself, I didn't love. I thought they gave him a little bit too much money for a little too many years, which, again, whatever, fine. The biggest issue I have with what they did with Pajot is – to sign him as your locked-in third-line center with your other three centers now locked into at least the next two years, but provide zero support to his wings. I mean, you're, you're paying this guy a premium to play, to play third-line center, and you are putting him out there consistently with Leo Komarov, who is dragging down any player on his line. It's That's the bigger problem than what Pajot is or isn't producing against the dollars they're paying him, I think, just because – the numbers, the counting stats weren't going to be there because he's playing a third-line role primarily, I think. But um, just the absolute black hole of offense on that line, that is the bigger issue. And hopefully Oliver Wallstrom, who I think played his best game as a pro tonight, uh, starts to remedy that issue for them. And that would also be a great, again, to put back in Rangers fans' faces. I mean, that one eventually, one of him or Kravtsov will be good, right? And then one of us can brag to one another about it. Yeah. Spe- speaking of ways to go back at Greg, so he asked you about Pajot. I'm going to tee. I'm going to tee. I'm going to tee one up for you here, dude. Just do yourself a favor. Like, so how about that Chris Kreider contract? What's up with that, Greg? Uh, there you go. Yeah. Seriously, what, what, what's going on over there? What, what are you guys thinking about uh, these days? I listen. Okay. Um, my representatives will talk to yours, and we'll get this mm. figured out in small claims court. I just also want to say that. You brought up Wallstrom and Kravtsov uh, while we're talking about it. Keandre Miller is maybe the best player from that entire draft class, so I will hear nothing about yeah. what the Rangers did or didn't do at nine. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, he played a great game tonight, I thought. I've been watching him a bit this season. Um, I, I tweeted this during the game, but uh, it's going to be a lot less fun the next decade of playing the Rangers defense with Adam Fox and Keandre Miller back there as opposed to – Dan Mark Stahl, Dan Girardi, yeah. right, yeah, just the skeletons <laughs> of Rangers past. Uh, 
that'll be disappointing. I think we're going to have a hell of a matchup for the next 10 years. Really. I, I think Lou, as much as I hate him as a GM somehow gets the most out of Lou like players. And I'm sure you'll yeah. say something similar. And then once you're backup goalie currently now, um, which I'm blanking on his name, Sir, I don't know why I'm doing Sorokin. Sorokin yeah. There you go. So many, I was thinking of the Russian and goaltender from the caps. Once Sorokin gets <laughs> things going too, like that's going to be, insane i can't even wait to go to you know either msg or U- ubs is, is it us which one it's ubs right ubs yeah yeah or ubs to go and see those games like that's going to be electric atmospheres where these guys grew up in russia together they know each other really yeah. well and rivals in russia you know they yeah. played on the top two teams in the k and then they would go drinking like afterwards dude right. so this yeah is, it's i mean i'm, tremendous I'm really excited about that I can't wait. I just want to get back to hockey. It's been, I watched the Super Bowl halftime last night when they were all really close to, like they had the guys in masks in the close corridor with the mm-hmm. glowing lights. I was super uncomfortable. And I just was a self-reflection moment. I was like, am I going to be okay to go in MSG? And then I did like a two minute <laughs> silence and I was like, yeah, I'll be good. <laughs> yeah. I heard the, the, the Coliseum's looking to hopefully get fans back in soon, which is uh, certainly questionable and certainly a little scary, but uh well, I guess we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's okay. It's we'll figure it out, right? It's all good. Yeah. What's happening with the yeah. Devils? They're nothing. They're playing all wait. Oh. The Devils, man, the Devils. <laughs> I just while while we're bringing up the Devils, it this isn't funny. It's a very serious situation. Yeah. The fact that Connor Carrick was taken off the COVID list and then put back on two days later, I how what happened? Yeah. Like what, there's there's what, a lot what is of going real on in, in stuff happening there. My favorite was when Bill Daly came out and said, uh, well, actually, the league's under the impression that you can't spread the virus during games. Oops. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> they were like, yeah, it worked with football. So we figured that everything they did with their outdoor sport will work with our indoor sport. That's going to be perfect, right? So wait, hold on. And scientists were like, hey, do you play on a refrigerator? And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> By any chance, do you happen to play in close to freezing temperatures? Yeah, hmm. that would like incubate things. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. They're like, no, no, that's it. <laughs> We're good. It's just like the NFL and MLB. They had their top people on it. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, just to, to, pivot ba- to pivot back to the sports, uh, you know, what the Hashtag people come the sports, here for. Right. The sports. Duffy, 5-4-2 and two in your first 11 games. Give me, mm-hmm. give me a heat check on how you're feeling about the Islanders so far. Because the Sam Rosen said it during the game, and I didn't even realize it. Whichever team won this game was going to move into fourth place in the uh, Mass Mutual Eastern Division. So technically speaking, if the season ended right now, the New York Islander is a playoff team. But do you feel good about it? Uh, Not not particularly. I actually I don't know how you guys felt coming into this game. And I know that the franchises are in pretty different spots entering the season. But um, I was definitely looking at this as a game. The Islanders didn't really have much room to lose in. I mean, I'm kind of looking at this season as you play each team eight times, obviously. So you got the Rangers you've already split with, a team that objectively you're looking at as a team worse than you. You're trying to rip off five or six wins in those eight games at least to really kind of bolster yourself when you inevitably you're already lost twice to Washington, lost twice to Philadelphia, whatever it is. Um, And they need to beat up on the bad teams. And it was pretty concerning that for 55 minutes they they couldn't do that. And that's really where I stand with the team. I mean, this game was a really good encapsulation of the fact that they can get their chances. They can play very good defensive hockey. um, But if they don't get a break and get a puck that squeaks through somehow, they don't usually have the offensive talent 
to actually turn the chance they generate into goals consistent enough to be a real competitor this season. It's, it's just the way it seems uh, 11 games in, uh, including a pretty heinous five-game losing streak in the middle. Yeah, the, the five-game losing streak was the fan base, because uh, uh, we get a lot of this, like anything that happens with David Quinn, especially tonight, mm-hmm. as soon as you guys scored, I think I got 9, 12, 27 tweets right away. God, God damn, we got to fire David Quinn. He's terrible. How could he have Libra Hayek out there at that time? Doesn't he know? It just happens right away. Does Do you ever get a single, we got to get rid of his trots tweet? Uh, I would say if I've ever seen one, it started to come this season as opposed to his last two where he was virtually untouchable. Uh, the Lamarillo slander is certainly coming out on the Twitter, on the Twitter that makes uh, sense, these though. days, which is, yeah, right. Because it's, it is ultimately a roster construction issue, not a coaching issue. And I think everybody understands that Barry Trotz, at the end of the day, he may do some pretty infuriating things like sit Kiefer Bellows and Oliver Wallstrom for Michael Dalcole and Leo Komarov. But at the end of the day, his value add is arguably greater than anybody on the on, in the franchise other than Matthew Barzell and from just an operations point of view, Lou Lamarillo. So um I think it would take years at this point for even 10% of the fan base to want Barry gone. Right. Cause it's kind of one of those situations where we might not agree or the fan base might not agree with the 18 players that Barry Trotz wants to dress on a given night. But the mm-hmm. guarantee that we know is Barry Trotz is going to find a way to get 100% out of those 18 players. Like exactly. It, it's right. not the right player, but whatever the best outcome of Leo Komarov is, we're all confident on this here podcast that the one coach that will get the best out of him is Barry Trotz. Yeah, I mean, ex- exactly. I couldn't have said it better. I mean, he just gets the benefit of the doubt in a way that, you know, as an Islander fan, no coach that I've watched had gotten. I mean, Jack Capuano, terrible coach, questionable lineup decisions. You know, he's getting bitched out consistently after four one losses in February to the Panthers. Doug Waite, same thing. But obviously Barry carries a different level of uh, of weight behind his decisions and you know I've, I've heard caps fans say the same thing that it was infuriating that he wouldn't play verana uh in the top six for while verana was a 19 20 year old uh ultimately the capitals won a stanley cup under barry trotz so they clearly got the winning side of their squabbles with trotz and islander fans obviously hope that that's the same outcome that the man has the plan and we've seen it pay off for two years so there's no reason not to trust him right now yeah, and you were a couple bounces away from actually playing for a Stanley Cup last year. I, I, yeah, I get that it was ultimately, the bubble right? season yeah. and all that shit, but you were one of four teams that had an opportunity. No, so yeah, I, and they, they had, you know, they were a Brock Nelson overtime goal away. He had a, I don't know if you guys watched that game. It's still burning to my memory. He had a breakaway in their, the game they ended up getting knocked out in an overtime. Scores that, you're suddenly in a game seven against Tampa, and you are literally – a bounce away from being in the cup final, despite not being the best hockey team on paper. So my man, uh, we had all Barry Trotz. We had a Stanley cup where we went to three double overtimes. <laughs> so yeah, we know yeah, what it's it like. Hurts. It's all burning. It's all burning the head. That, that shit hurted. It did for sure. Going forward with this team, Greg already asked you kind of like what your expectations were. We don't see anybody beating the Bruins right in this division. Do we really? Like, yeah, with with I, Pasternak I back and just, I know the Rangers are about to play the Bruins twice this week, so I'm kind of like getting everyone's feelings on this. I don't think it's going to go well. I think the Rangers have played really close games, and I just, I just feel like that is coming to an end of of a team that is absolutely elite on all levels. 
Well, what, what do you guys think, honestly? How, how would you um, shake out the division going forward right now, seeing what you've seen? The Rangers finish as a bottom feeder. Do they finish somewhere in the middle? I and mean, then how do you think it kind of shakes out top to bottom? I think I could see this whole division kind of staying very close to 500 with Boston just yeah. absolutely ripping it. Like I'm pretty much with that. They have one loss right now. Like, that's it. That's that's insane. Yeah. And, and it also, it feels like it's not even the same Bruins as usual because of the moving pieces. I mean, they lost so many important players. Pasternak was out for the first handful of games. And the boat just keeps on chugging along. I want to say regulation loss. And for those people about to yell at me, <laughs> at home because they will and i understand that you want to take any pot shots at me you can but av and the flyers have some problems i've read about them the bruins i, I heard tonight like sam rosen on the MSG broadcast said the the bruins have been struggling i was like really and i went and checked i was like they're eight <laughs> one and two with 18 points what are you talking about he's like yeah they were struggling and then they got pasta back great it's like that team's that team's unbeatable so I, really? I, I mean, if that's, if that's their struggles, then we are please. just all in severe, severe trouble. Yeah, I just don't see it happening. So the Devils the Sa- you know, Devils and Sabres, who knows what's going to happen with them? We, we have no clue if they're going to be able to play right. the amount of games or how they're going to handle that. And the Sabres don't, don't look good. The Devils started getting good looks. Jack Hughes looked alive. The Islanders, obviously, as you know, Seem like a playoff team. They can play that close hockey. It's not like the Capitals are blowing anybody's doors off. And AV is mm-hmm. AV. So it's just, yeah, to, it, to me, it's the Bruins run away, and that's it. Yeah, it, it's one of those years where the Bruins are literally in a class of their own in a division that we thought was going to be super competitive at the top. Mm-hmm. But then you look at a team like the Penguins. It's not that they're playing well. They're definitely playing a little worse than they should be, but they're still getting points. The Flyers are playing like a team that doesn't want to play for Elaine Vigneault. Wonder where right. I've seen that before. Uh, the Capitals haven't looked good, but that's partially because they lost the Russians to COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. And when your best players are Russians, you're not going to look good when they're not in the lineup. Uh, the Devils were looking good, and then literally the entire team got COVID nineteen. Nineteen. The Sabers, I think, to quote Denny Green, uh, they are who we thought they were, and mm-hmm. I think they're like the the Sabers and the Bruins at the top and the bottom of the division have been exactly what I would have said the Sabres and the Bruins were going to be before this season. Like, the Sabres are going to finish last. The Bruins are going to finish first. And everything in the middle right now, you could make an argument that they could be one of the four teams to make the playoffs. You could also make an argument, and a pretty convincing one, that all of those teams probably aren't going to be much of a threat in the playoffs anyway. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I think, honestly, Philadelphia is the only team – that really, really scares me on paper, but the X factor is obviously the coaching is really not up to snuff when you, when it comes to the actual best around the league or in the division. So um, that's not in their favor. Although I think that lineup is, I think they have a better team right now than the Bruins on paper, but I don't know if that's a, if that's a hot take around these parts. Uh, I, the defense leaves a lot to be imagined. Mostly, I don't know if it's just like PTSD from how I know Elaine Vigneault likes to run out his defensive pairings mm-hmm. and his defensive groupings. Like there are a lot, there are good players in that D unit, but I just, I trust Elaine Vigneault to use, like, you know how we feel, what we said about Barry Trotz, where the 18 players on the ice, I am ca- confident Barry Trotz right, will get the best right. out of them. The exact opposite with Elaine Vigneault. Yeah. Whatever he can do to screw up that defensive unit, I am confident he's going to find a way to fuck it up. 
yeah. that much that much we can agree on across uh, across fan bases that's exactly it. I mean, I mean, I thought I think I saw the stats the other day that Carter Hart is facing. A, um, he says here a trillion shots per game, so I think mm. I, we'll see how that plays out for them. And he's going to have to ride a hot goalie. That's his only choice. Good luck with the. It's going to be an interesting week with the Bruins for the Rangers. I really don't see them doing too well. I don't. We'll go from there. Who's up? Who's up next on the Islanders schedule for you? Uh, it's actually I, I'm kind of expecting the whole back to back thing again, but they have. Pittsburgh all the way on Thursday, and then they get Boston, and then you know, God willing, they have two games against Buffalo coming up after that. So, are those the actual game? Like, is Buffalo going to play six games a week? Is is that? Is yeah, that I was just thinking that. Right? How, how are you going to make this up? I mean, I know the Sabers, uh, not the Sabers, the Devils. I think are currently slated to play something like forty-seven and eighty-two days, but that was before the last round of cancellations. So. I just get ugly for some of those the, teams. The thing, the thing that's going to fuck the NHL, and it's it's going to get to like with baseball, they could have they just moved dates and did double headers, right? And it was easy mm-hmm. for them to make up all these games. The NHL, unlike the NBA, unlike Major League Baseball, unlike the NFL, they have a hard deadline. NBC is not going to air their shit when we get to the end of July. They right. want the Olympics. They make their money on the Olympics. The whole reason NBC exists at this point is Sunday Night Football <laughs> and the Olympics. The NHL can't just move the season back. So at some point with the Devils and the Sabres, probably more the Devils than the Sabres, they're just not going to get to play games. And we're just going to have to – it's going to be a same thing where when we got to the bubble where we're talking about point percentages in games played as opposed to actual point totals. That seems so silly. Do you you guys think that this – I, I guess two-part question, actually. Now I'm the podcast host. Hello. Hey. Um, do you think that this season is starting to feel less legitimate because of the massive amounts of cancellations we've had early? And how did you guys really feel about um, the ending to last season? How how legit did you think that that bubble was? And, and what do you think of, like, the bubble cup? Like, especially compared to this year now. Would, would last year's cup be more legitimate than this year's? I want to agree with you. Uh... This is tough. I think last year's bubble was absolutely legit. I think it might have been one of the mm-hmm. hardest cups to win of all time. You can't go home. I'm kind of with that. You, you can't see your family. Those guys were so bored out of their goddamn minds, just sitting in their hotel room, scrolling Instagram and Twitter all day long, and just playing NHL on, on their systems, and then practicing. That's all they had to do. It was miserable. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I've gone to Vegas back in the before days when you were allowed to for work and going to Vegas for work is a whole different game than going with your, with your boys or or your family or whatever you're there and you're in a hotel room. And by day five, you're done. You're, you want to be home. It's the worst. There's nothing around. You can't like there, oh, it's Vegas. There's plenty of things you could do, but I promise you, unless you're Greg after day five, you do not want to do them. That's exactly, that. that's exactly what happened. Shut Shot fired. Yeah, Listen, that, that's exactly what happened to those to those teams. So I think last year was absolutely legitimate. This year, I do feel – I don't feel like it's less. I, I For the Rangers, I can think it works out super well. I've been saying this all year. This is the development year. This allows them to kind of play playoff series and, and learn how to adjust. It's good for Quinn. It's good for the players. It does seem like the intensity is down, though, just overall. They're, uh, maybe it's the mm-hmm. missing fans. Maybe it's the atmosphere. And, like I didn't think tonight's game versus the Islanders – did you feel like it was like a hard-fought, intense battle? Because I, no, I, I didn't. I, I, I even heard uh, on the Islander broadcast, at least, the, uh, the announcers mentioned that it felt like a playoff game. And I guess maybe they were kind of referring to like tight style of play. But atmosphere-wise, I, I thought that was lacking. 
No, you, yeah, the players were chatting Sam, up each Sam other. Sam and Joe mentioned, not to cut you off, Ryan, but Sam and Joe mm-hmm. mentioned it on the Rangers feed about they, they were trying to spin it as something good. And I'm not saying that fighting is necessary in a hockey game to make it interesting, but there mm-hmm. also just wasn't any chippiness. In, in, yeah. uh, the Rangers and Islanders, we've seen it. They don't like each other very much. The fact that there wasn't any chippiness at all, and it seemed like whenever there was a dead puck, there was a lot of just kind of mindless skating around. Mm-hmm. It, it was legitimately odd to see. That was more jarring to see than the no fans and yeah. everything going on. The fact that there seemed to be no level of de- detestment between either team actually threw me off my game a little bit. Which was I super the, strange. Uh... Sorry, man. Which is super strange because the Rangers played the Capitals a couple days ago, and I'm sure I, I'm positive you didn't watch that, Duff, but that game was hard-fought, chippy, and like, the Capitals tried to like punch the Rangers directly in the face a million times. Then to go, I actually and... did watch that game. Well, hey, wow. nice, judgmental. Big hockey fan. I'm sorry, my apologies. <laughs> they they did try to punch him in the face, and then to have the Rangers come into this game, and it was almost like we were friends. It was almost like it was you and I going out there and just yeah. hanging out. Yeah, right. It's very strange. Um, I think what I'm looking for, I guess, I wonder how much of their mind was on the fact that they don't see each other again for what basically two whole months after this april is the next and time then, i think right and then they play yeah two months from tomorrow they meet again and then they play a back-to-back again a week after that and then a back-to-back a week after that Fun. so that that five games in three weeks is where especially because at that point at least one of these teams will be somewhere in a playoff contention and if you're not seeing the chippiness then then i would be I guess I would just be confused about what this chapter of the Islander Ranger rivalry will look like then if they're not actually going to be hating each other's guts every time they play. I, I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself in that scenario. I, think I wonder how much of it, especially in this condensed COVID season where all these guys have been in the mindset that they're basically going to have to play either every day or every other day, where this was the first time the Rangers legitimately had four days off between mm-hmm. games. They were supposed to play Saturday against the Devils. For obvious reasons, they didn't. So for the first time this entire season, the Rangers weren't coming off of a game. And it, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much of that we can read into it. I don't. The, the Islanders certainly played more recently than the Rangers did, I believe. But on the Rangers side, I do wonder if for the first time this year, the Rangers kind of like shut it off because mm. they were given an opportunity to not have to play hockey on an everyday basis. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to see so much of that this season on just how these layovers are going to actually affect guys. I mean, even if the Devils get to play, let's say, close to the 56 games, I mean, what what are they going to look like after a three-week absence while everyone else has been in game shape for the time? I mean, it's it's going to be really strange this season. I don't know what to expect, honestly. And I guess, like you said, we're going to, we're, we're seeing some of the kind of initial inklings of that, of just how weird this all feels this year. Well, it's, it's not even just that. Mika Zabinajad right now, who I'm sure we talked about at the beginning of this show, or if we didn't, my apologies. It's COVID clearly is affecting him on some level. I just don't think it's just a, it's a slump he's going through. The Devils, there's going to be some players that are going to be affected for a while. Listen, I'm not a doctor. Mm-hmm. I've done, I don't know for sure. I'm a fucking idiot that podcasts. But to watch Mika and to watch some other players and as a person who had COVID, it's it sticks. Sometimes it sticks and lingers. And it doesn't it doesn't allow you to perform up to the the way you'd like. If you're wondering why this podcast has been so shitty since March, that's why. 
I, you guys have, I'm still lingering. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the long-term syndrome syndromes here. So that's a great excuse. I should start using that. It's pretty good. Right. And for the devils, I just have a hard time being like, okay, guys, 19 of you had COVID get out there. <laughs> Seriously. An entire team's worth of you. Like, yeah, it's different. Uh, it's just, it's so hard to believe. Yeah. It's different than that. All right. I think that's enough of us. Um, anything you would like to plug Mr. Duff's? Uh, yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at two turtle duffs, but I'll tweet about the Islanders. So you probably won't want to do that. But if you and do you follow them, out... you can chirp them. That's how that works. That's true. You can make fun of me. I mean, Rangers fans have been getting their licks in against me on Twitter for like seven years now. So, so don't miss out while the iron's hot and, uh, you can find the obstructed views podcast, which I host with Ethan Levy and Chris Howard, uh, at OV underscore pod on Twitter. It's also on iTunes and Spotify. Wonderful. The big, the big return we should say. Yes. Yes. Season three out of nowhere. Who would have thunk? Yeah. That's fun though. It's, what, what made you just decide to do it again out of curiosity? Uh, it just came back. I actually wasn't on the initial uh, iteration of it. It was Con Isles, who was with Barstool at the time, and then he's moved on to restaurant ownership, and they uh, they needed another lovable Islander fan to jump behind the mic. So we were, they couldn't find anybody, so then they called me. We're friends with Ethan, so we support him. And uh, Yeah, right? Yeah, good times. Maybe one day we'll, we'll, we'll drop by. We'll say hello in April. Nothing but love outside of all the hate. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. That's it. All right. Uh, we're also out of here, so I'm going to say goodbye for us. I'm O'Ryan Mead at, on Twitter. Greg is at Bullshirts Break. We'll be back next week. We love you guys. Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.